Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, we are back here with Terps on the T. It's episode two, part two. For those who are listening, me, Fred Funk, and Steve Sands from NBC went a little long, so we have decided to break this up into two sections. And so here now, part two of Terps on the T with the Maryland kid, well, actually three Maryland kids, Fred Funk from Tacoma Park, Chick from Silver Spring, and Steve Sands of NBC and Rockville, Maryland. And I actually got a, a quick story. I was playing Beth Page at the Open in 09. I'm playing practice around with Bubba Watson because I'm really good friends with uh, Teddy Scott, his caddy. He's an awesome, funny guy. And we're playing, and, and we get to the 12th hole, and they got a cross bunker out there. It's about 280 over that bunker, and then about 10 yards of rough, and then wide open on the other side. I got to hit it. I got to hit it good to even get to the bunker, but I only have 20 yard wide fairway to hit it into to the right of the bunker. And I just was kind of pissed off at that point. And I just go, Bubba, I don't respect your game at all. And he goes, what? And he goes, no, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm kind of serious. I want you to think about this for a minute. So just stay with me for a second. Just think about it. Says you're, let's say you're 50 to 70 yards longer than me off the tee on any given shot. And you're any amount of clubs longer than me, because you can do anything you want with an iron, but let's say you're two to three clubs longer than me with the irons. You are literally through the bag longer than me on every hole. What do you average? 69 something. He goes, yeah, I'm you know, just under 70. I go, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. I said, you suck. I said, <laughs> he goes, he just starts laughing. He goes, what do you mean? I go, Bubba, you're hitting seven clubs. If, if you took my drive, and he goes, I don't want to hit it where you are. Well, this is the point. If you took my drive and I have four iron in, you could hit a seven iron where I have four iron in. I can't even beat you from there. But you're 70 yards ahead of me on top of hitting three clubs shorter than me. I said, I should never beat you, ever, never, ever beat you. It's a par 68 out here every day you go out and play. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a hard game, though. I said, no, I understand. But you should try playing it back where I'm playing it. <laughs> so to answer Steve's question is that, yeah, I mean, if you go statistically, you cannot, especially on a firm green, U.S. open conditions, if the guy has an eight iron or a nine iron in and you're coming in with a seven, six iron, you're way behind eight ball. You have no, very little chance of beating that guy, maybe in 18 holes, but in four days, you should not be beating that guy. There's something seriously wrong with the guy's head or other aspects of his game if, if he's not beating you day in and day out. Chick, I don't like statistics. I'm not a huge okay. statistics guy, an analytics guy, but I'm telling you the most important statistic to me, just from the booth and on the ground watching the best players in the world, to me the most important statistic in golf, if you really want to pay attention to it, is proximity to the hole. Because if you have 10 to 15-foot birdie tries – not 20 to 25 foot birdie tries. You are going to make more of those than the long ones over the long haul of the season. Proximity to the hole matters. And ball flight is, has a lot to do with proximity to the hole. Obviously you have to be accurate. You have to have great hands, all that kind of stuff. But proximity to the hole, man, when these guys who are the best players in the world have more chances at birdie, that means they're going to make more birdies and proximity to the hole to me is Arguably, the single most important statistic 
uh, in golf because it gives these guys a chance to make as many birdies as possible. We're here in the final moments uh, with Steve Sands. Terps on the tee. Uh, it's a global show, but this is a very local show in that we have three Maryland kids, as as those who are watching can see that Sands is pumping up his chest with the Maryland shirt. Uh, so we got no, no, no. I'm just the shirt. No, I, I have no you have chest. chest. You're concave. That's nice. <laughs> Always going to be concave. Um, we got we got a we got a high high point high school. We got Woodward High School. We got Montgomery Blair High School. Woodward, by the way, I'm not sure who's more famous, Steve Sands or Dan Snyder, owner of the Wash football team. Um, but one's really easy to talk to. The other, not so much. Uh, we we prefer we prefer Chick, as you know, to not be put in the same sentence. Is that Dan right? I didn't, I didn't I didn't I did I did not know that. That's What's to like? Not to, <laughs> What's it's not to on like? your bio here where it says, do not mention me with Dan Snyder. That's, uh, God, get him really? out of here, man. Really? Come on. Stop. I mean, don't you like what they've been doing? Stop. Don't. Stop. Stop. What do you Stop. want? Stop. Move on. Anybody. 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 You are a complete bozo, and I would prefer you to be the owner of the team than him. Well, you're right on that. I'm a complete bozo. I don't think I could run a team, though, uh, or into the ground. I probably wouldn't do that. But that's the beauty yeah. of it. If you yeah. and I or Fred were smart enough to know that if we owned the Washington football team, we would be like Jack Ken Cook. We'd be hanging out at Duke Zebra's at happy hour every day while Bobby Beathard and Joe Gibbs ran the yeah. team. You know, if you're going to be a billionaire, let the millionaires Thank run you. it. Well, it's, it's not that hard. I'm out of football. You think I'm going to Alabama A&M and picking out the second-string cornerback to maybe be a pick? You think I could find Daryl Green at Texas A&I? Of course not. Go be a billionaire. Hang out with whoever you want to hang out with. Eat, drink, fly privately. Go to your yacht, whatever you want to do, and let the football people run the football team. It's really not that hard. Look at the greatest franchises in the NFL. They're all run correctly. And that comes from leadership. So that's my Snyder rant. Let the football people do the football things. Just be the really rich guy who owns the team. You're going to be a hero. You'll be a legend in D.C. for life. Jack Kent Cook, we have a dog running around the house. Her name is Cookie after uh, Jack Kent Cook. <laughs> I mean, I'm not naming the next dog Snyder or Danny. It's just, it's not going to happen. So just go be a hero and let the football people run the football operation. How hard is that? I think Good. we hit a hot button. I yeah, think we you know think? how to get oh. to it. You think? <laughs> how about, how about Boy, in Chick's, Fred, in Chick's former life, <laughs> I, used to I used to text oh my him God. while he was on the air in capital yes. letters because I, I had to strangle somebody and I couldn't. So I just decided to just – Text strangled yes. chick while he's on the air. I'm doing, I'm doing the football team's pregame show or postgame in a postgame show, and here come the text. And there, I look down at Steve Sands. I'm like, do I want to read this right now? You know, I get to a commercial break. I look and go, okay, someone is upset. I think I, I genuinely think that from September to January, Brian Mitchell has blocked my number because yeah. magically, magically in February, I get a text from Brian that says, "Hey, bud, how you doing?" But <laughs> <laughs> well, from September to January. Nothing. So I like I like this scenario, uh, Fred. I'd like um, Steve Sands with the post game interview with Dan Snyder. Since you're so good at making, you know, doing really well in that, what would you ask Dan Snyder in a post game situation? Why? <laughs> That's you never want to ask. You never want to ask a question that elicits a one word answer. You don't want to ask no question. You want to say. 
How would you describe how right. you play today, Fred? Not did you play right. well? You would want to ask questions that have a broad answer coming your way, not elicit only a one-word answer. But I would ask him a one-word question, literally. Why? And it could go anywhere, anytime for anything that that guy has done to our beloved football franchise that we grew up loving. Good God, get out of the way and let the football people run the operation, for God's sake. <laughs> I knew I was in trouble the first interview, uh, which was at the, at the stadium, and I'm doing a live shot with the brand-new owner of the Washington R-Words, Dan Snyder, and, and I, you know, I did the intro, and I said, for those who don't know, uh, Dan and I both went to Maryland. Obviously, we went to very different classes, and I'm, like, waiting for, like, a chuckle. I just look over, and it is comatose. And I'm like, and I just turned back to the camera and said, well, this is going to go well. And from that point forward, I'm like, okay. Um, but he's kind of stayed in the, fore, uh, the background here for what he's done the last year, though, Steve. I mean. Well, he's been forced <laughs> into the background. Let me ask you a question. If you own the skins, the caps, the wizards, if you're a, a grand poobah at the University of Maryland, um, if you own the nationals, should you not walk into any restaurant in the DMV and have the greatest life on the planet. I mean, you should be a hero, a hero to the stupid, a hero to all of us. Right. <laughs> and, and instead, you know, Leonsis has a title. A. Poland had a title. The learners have a title. Gary's got a title. And what do we have here with this clown for 22 years? Nothing. He went the, you know, one of the worst records in professional sports in a franchise that means a lot to that league and scheduling right. the NFC East with its marketing, it's a big, big deal. And, and he has just taken that team in the wrong direction. Although I'm a huge Ron Rivera guy. I've known Ron a long time. I think Ron's got this thing going in the right direction. As long as Danny boy stays out of the way, I, I think Washington's going in the right direction, but it does not matter if the owner gets in the way in any sport, then that team cannot succeed, and he needs to stay out of the way and let Ron, who's a very good football mind, uh, run the organization the way he's run it the last 18 months. Once again, forever going long, which I love, by the way, because we can. We don't care. All right. Sorry, it's sorry. awesome. I, I ran no, it's awesome. It's absolutely <laughs> it's awesome. Really good. Um, do you have a worst post-round interview story? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, by far. Uh, so at the Valspar Championship, probably 2012, 2013, uh, I got hired by NBC in 2011. It was either 2012 or 2013. Anyway, Ernie Ellis is one of the most popular figures in the sport, uh, was playing well that week, uh, had not won in a long time, and was having a hard time with his putter. Oh, yeah. uh, as, as, with, with guys as they get older on the PGA Tour, what, what they struggle with the most, for the most part, is, is that putting stroke staying as steady as it was when you were in your 20s and 30s. So anyway, Ernie's a very popular figure in the sport, Plays well Thursday and Friday, gets himself into contention. Here we go on Saturday, plays well again. Misses a little one late on Saturday, but he's okay. And each day I'm in the booth early, and then I go down and do the interviews late. And as I'm calling the golf, he's playing wonderful. That beautiful swing, and he's hitting the ball well, and he's putting well. It's bunker games, impeccable. Um, anyway, he's rolling along, and he's missed a couple of putts here and there. But each day, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, he says, in his words, I just don't know if I have the confidence uh, in my putting stroke. I just don't know if I have the confidence in my putting stroke. Ernie was, <laughs> Fred knows Ernie well. I, I know Ernie well. Whew, the stories we could tell about Ernie. Uh, but the, he's a great guy. 
very honest when he's on camera, always with us on and off camera, very honest. You always know where you stood with Ernie. So anyway, Thursday, confidence, eh, Friday, my confidence, eh, Saturday, my confidence, his words, not mine. So Saturday, Sunday comes, he's in contention. He's playing well. It gets down to like the, the five holes to go and he's leading. He misses a little one. Uh, now Luke Donald is as tied him and he gets to 17 knocks. It's stiff has like a three footer and misses. Mm. And it was a bad stroke. We've all been there. Fred, you know what it's like. Um, it was, a, it was a terrible stroke. Uh, he was now one back going to 18 Donald's already in the clubhouse. The whole world is rooting for Ernie here. No offense to Luke Donald, but it's Ernie else. And he then gets to 18 and again, hits it really tight, probably nine, 10 feet. And, and, and it's a, it's a bad putt and, and loses by one. So afterwards he's coming off and Tommy Roy is our producer on NBC. And he says to me in my ear, you think we can get Ernie? And I said, you know, I'll ask, like you said earlier, uh, um, Chick and Fred, you know, this to me, and you, and you, you share this sentiment as well, Chick. never in my 30 years, have I ever taken it personally? If an athlete says no, right. ever, it's a professional thing. They, they're not saying no to you. They're just, they're either angry with the way they played or they, they have something to do or whatever it is. Um, and I thought, yeah, I'm happy to ask. And I've known Ernie long enough uh, to be able to just kind of look at him with those kind of puppy dog eyes and say, Hey, shoulders up, palms up and go, yeah, you want to do it? You want to know what to do? If you don't want to do it, I won't tell right. anybody, but if you want to do it, sure. And Ernie always cool and honest says, I'll do it. And he's hot. As Fred knows, Ernie can run a little hot and he's a large man. Okay. I'm five eleven, right? He's a large man. He's what's he six, four, Freddie, six, three, six, four. Six, four. He's a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. What is and, and, and big yep. and he's standing over there and you know, the, the interview is getting emotional. And the last question I asked him was, and I had it in my head that I want, you got to ask him about the short putts. He had used the word confidence for three straight right. days. Now that is a word a sportscaster has a hard time using because we're not right. you. So to say confidence to you guys is, is insinuating something that is not necessarily where we should be going. But he had gone there for three straight days with me on the air lot. So I felt comfortable enough to ask him, how was your confidence level standing over that putt at 18? Oh and he gave me one of these, came in real close, was beat red like this hat, and just looked confidence confidence and kind of looked at me and I'm backing away and I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to take a shot at me on live TV. And that's going to be the craziest thing ever. And of course he's not going to take a shot at me. And he just looked at me and just walked away. What the question was fine. What I should have asked was not using the C word uh -huh. confidence. I should have said after the miss had set, and I know sure. better, but everybody makes a bogey after the short miss at 17. What was going through your mind at 18? How was, how comfortable were you standing over that putt on 18? Confidence is a word that athletes do not want thrown their way, not thrown at them. I wasn't throwing it at them. I was just using the, the storyline from the week we had set. I was in yeah. the booth 
for three hours earlier that day. And we were talking about his confidence level, his confidence level, his confidence level. But to say it to him right there in that moment when he just had his heart ripped out, it was a bogey on my part. The question wasn't bad. I just used the wrong word and it, it, it backfired. And I'll tell you a quick thing. So it's a Sunday. That's at Valspar, which is at Innisbrook in Tampa. I drive home here. Uh, we live outside of Orlando. And I, I'm at on Twitter, as you know. I'm, I'm just hang, hanging out. I'm actually listening to the selection show on the radio because nice. it was election Sunday. And I'm driving home. And all of a sudden, I get home. My family's like, man, Dad, you're getting crushed. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, and I understand. Like, you're getting hammered here. I say, hey, whatever. So Monday comes, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I don't want Ernie mad at me. Not that I can't take someone being mad at me, but I don't want Ernie to be upset at the question. So I text Ernie and say, Hey man, I hope we're okay. Somehow gets it to go. Right you can't believe it. The hat and the glasses to a come on Fred on Funk with the birdie. That's Frank 16. Nobolo, who is now on CBS, was there. And he's talking to Ernie and Ernie's going through the weekend and how poorly he putted and how upset he was. But like most great athletes, as Fred knows, you got to move along. If Bay Hill's the next week, let's go. Here we go. We're going to tee it up on Tuesday in a practice round. So anyway, this is Monday night. And Frank, unbeknownst to me, tells Ernie, hey, man, Sands is getting killed. He's getting killed by tour pros. I had some I had some really nasty things said to me by some wow. pros. Thought it handled poorly. Some fans, but who cares about that? I care more about the pros. The fans are going to sure. say what they want. Like my oldest son, who's now in college in Maryland, was in sixth grade. And he gets off the school bus. He's like, are, are you we going to have to move? Are you getting fired? What's going on? Yeah, he understand. So anyway, on Wednesday, we have a pro-am show live on the Golf Channel. This is, this is 100 years ago. We don't do them anymore. And Ernie's one of the biggest stars in the field at Bay Hill. It's an hour-long show. The producer says to me, you're going out to do Oh, Ernie. boy. And I'm like, uh, can't we just wait? He goes, no, no, no. This is what you have to do. And, and he was right. So we go out to 16. Fred, you played Bay Hill, the, the bunker to the right of 16, yep. the par five. Ernie hits it in the bunker. And it's a pro-am show. So for the Golf Channel audience, it's a great time for pros to kind of teach the audience what it's like. So I go out there, and I mean, I am like this. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And Ernie hits it in the bunker. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe I got to talk to this guy on live TV. Two and a half days ago, I just pissed him off. Anyway, so I stand there. I look at him. He kind of looks at me. Now, I did not know Monday night it happened with Frank Nabilo and Ernie because right. players shouldn't know. Why, why would they want to know what's going on in my personal life? They shouldn't know, nor should right. they care. I was getting destroyed. So Ernie says, I'm happy to do it. We get He hits the bunker shot. No, excuse me, right before the bunker shot. And we stand there. And I go, you know, how, you know, how, does, a pro, how does an amateur hit this shot? You're 200 yards of the water. Do you, do you lay up? You hit, he goes, no, here's how you do it. You dig in. You know, he does the whole thing. And he's wonderful at it. Teaches the audience how to do it. Comes back out of the bunker after hitting a nice shot onto the left portion of the green. Has an eagle putt. And we're talking. And I said, Ernie, pro week to pro week. Amateurs go hold a hole and they drive themselves crazy. How do you put aside what happened on the weekend. And then three days later, you get after it again against the world's best players. How are you able to do that? And he said, well, you know, it's, it's been a rough, you know, we're on live. He goes, no, it's, it's, it's been a rough few days, not as rough as yours, <laughs> but it's been a rough few days. And I'm like, oh, and it was like a fever broke yeah. 
while I was awake. And then everything went fine. He put his arm around me. And he's a monster yeah. of a man to me. And, and I knew that everything was going to be fine. And it goes back to the original point we talked about with you and Fred. It's about trust. It's about a relationship. It's about professionalism. He was being professional uh, at the time on Sunday at the Valspar, every bit as much as he was being professional on that Wednesday Pro-Am uh, at Bay Hill three days later. It's, it's about the traveling circus and the trust you have. And if you don't have that trust or that relationship professionally with the guys, then you're screwed. And I was screwed for three days when he did that on, on live TV. That was the end of what happened right. at Valspar. And that is all credit to him has nothing to do with me at all. Uh, you know, doing the post game. Man, that was a bad, inter- but that was a bad interview, Jack. Whew, I shouldn't have said that word. Well, it's, it, I get it. I get it because you're, you know, you're on live and you've got a, and you always want to tell that question. As you say, you don't want a one word answer and you want to make sure that you get into that question and you do a great job of it. You, 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 you canvas this thing so that it's, it's you know, as a guy in the business, I know what you're doing. It's, it's, it's you do it spectacularly. Um, it's, and it's difficult. Uh, there's no question about that. Cause the, the moment that something awkward comes out you, and you know, it immediately, you're like, Oh, here we go. And it's, you know, that was, Ser- I've done it with Sergio, uh, back here at congressional. And you're just like, as the words are coming out and you just see the, 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 the eyebrow just kind of twitch. You're like, okay, what's coming here. And it's, and it's not, not good. I mean, when I first did Augusta, when I was first in Augusta, I called my predecessor, Sam Crenshaw and said, how do I, Talk to Jack Nicholas. What's the key? And he said, as nice as Jack is, if you ask him, how did he find the course? He is going to look at you and tell you with a car and you're done. Don't ask those simple questions. Get into, you know, something that's thought provoking. And he had just started lifting weights for the first time in his life. And he's old. I mean, this is like six years after he's won his last major in 92. And I said about lifting weights, you know, I said, Hey Jack, you're lifting weights for the first time in, in, in your life. How's that changed the way you play the game? And his eyes lit up and we did eight minutes off the 18th right there, umbrellas over us. Um, and it was spectacular for a young guy in the business. And you have to ask the right questions. And, that, and that's a key. Um, all right. The getaway question, Steve Sands, what is your confidence level with the Maryland Terrapin basketball team getting to the elite eight? As we tape this, they have yet to play their second round game. Elite eight. Can we just get to the three sixteen? I mean, elite eight. Fred, can we go one shot at a time? Jumping the gun here a little bit. (laughs) Shining moments. I didn't realize we. I didn't realize we went from Thursday to Sunday. Well, I'm just you know, I want the weekend. I think here's what I think. I think if they play as hard as they did the other night, um, as play as sharp defensively as I know that we can, um, I think Turgeon outcoached Hurley so badly the other night against UConn. I think he smoked him, and I think that. It'll be an interesting matchup with Alabama. They got a lot of athleticism. They have more firepower on the offensive end than we have. But I think sometimes defense wins. Defense can win. Uh, and I think I think the Terps are going to beat Alabama. And then I, the draw sneaky opens up um, a little bit. Go from an underdog to perhaps a favorite uh, if they beat Alabama. I think whoever wins the Alabama-Maryland uh, game will be a favorite yeah. uh, the, next, not the next game. So – I think the Terps, if they beat Alabama tonight, uh, which I think they can and I think they will, uh, I, I think that there could be a magical run uh, coming up. I, I can't wait to see it. I cannot wait for the game. Um, and you mentioned Twitter being a cesspool. I mean, the Turgeon haters on Twitter are <laughs> oh, just phenomenal. Stop. Just phenomenal. You know, they're, they're wrong. All right. And now he's responsible for the whole program. Yeah. 
Do they have as much talent as they should have this year? Perhaps not. And he's responsible for that. He's a great guy. He's a terrific coach. Let it, let it marinate right. a little bit. All right. All right. How many other teams in the big 10 Purdue, Ohio Hello. state, Illinois, you know, <laughs> take it easy. It's, it's hard to win in sports. It's hard to win in golf and team sports. Everybody just take your foot off the pedal and relax. Mark Turgeon is a very good coach, and I hope he's in College Park for a long Fred time. Fred Funk, any last uh, thoughts for Mr. Sands? No. Other than, <laughs> other than, <laughs> I love it. Other than this was a great show, and having Steve, you're a rock star. Um, you, oh, you're God. so much fun. I always loved seeing you and saying hi to you when I was out on the road, and, and I think you do a great job. But this podcast was awesome. Uh, the insight you have and – uh, just the way you uh, talk about it and, and just your passion with what you do. And you can tell you love what you do and, and uh, you love the guys you work with and meaning the PGA tour players and, and everybody that's out there. So it was fantastic. I, I love uh, seeing this side of you. Um, you know, I hadn't, this is the most time I spent with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Brett. I've known you 25 years. It's as long as we've ever spent anything. <laughs> It's well, crazy. Uh, you're, you're a kind man, friend. I appreciate it very much. And I, a, a, a good friend of mine used to tell me years ago, and I, and I firmly believe it, you're only as smart as the people you speak to uh, when you're in our business. And uh, it was always a joy to cover you, Fred, to get to know you a little bit, your family, uh, Taylor especially. I know he's a wonderful kid. Um, but thanks for having me on, guys. It was a lot uh, of fun. Enjoy. Go Terps. Really appreciate yeah. it. We're going to turn this into a two-parter because someone's long-winded, and it's not me. Um, Steve Sands, <laughs> thanks for your time. Uh, uh, can't Sorry. wait to see uh, what happens uh, the next couple of weeks on tour. Uh, and the next guy that you just you know make ball right in front of the nation's eyes. That's <laughs> my favorite moment. It really is. Hi. Hi. Enough with the crying. No more, no more crying. crying. No more crying, says Steve Sands. Sands. Sandsy. Sandsy, as one Tiger Woods would say. Thanks very much, man. Appreciate it. Oh. You guys, Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. There's uh, Steve right. Sands. He's on his way out. Real quick, Fred, we got some. Uh, Jack McGuire had an albatross on the Corn Fury Tour this year, uh, this week, at the uh, Chitty Matcha Louisiana Open. Five, par five, 556 as the albatross. Okay. That's the first part of this. Um, he is, well, the last albatross on tour was also Jack McGuire, uh, by the way. So that's the guy. Who's wow. gonna, have you had an albatross in competition? No, no. I've, I've anyway. seen two. You've seen I've two. Had one. Yeah. I've had one. I had really? one at Northwest Golf right there off of Laytonsville Road. That um, used to be the longest course in the country still, back in it, the day. <laughs> and, and in the DMV, it is still from the tips the longest course in the area. Uh, and they're going to host a U.S. Open qualifier there uh, in the summer. Um, it'll be from the tips as well. But I, uh, from 252, hit a three-wood in on number 14 at Northwest. That's my only claim to fame. I have no holes in one And after all these years of playing, which really sucks. Well, did you hear the rule on tour? If, they, if I reached a par five and two, it was immediately a par four. So <laughs> I, could, I could never claim an albatross even if I ever had one. That's nice. <laughs> That's real nice. All right. Uh, I asked Steve his worst post-round interview. I, I asked you last week to get ready for this. Your worst shot you ever hit in competition. Oh, there's a couple, but uh, they all involve OBs. But uh, I only had, from the way I remember, three out-of-bounds balls on the regular tour of my career. Only three? Three. And Holy then, moly. I, I think I've had four on the Champions Tour since I've been out, maybe a few more. But one... I can think of two. 
One was Pebble Beach, 18. I was actually in contention to win the Champions Tour event there at the first tee event. And I just bailed out on 18, and it took one hop onto that cart path right into the hedge, which was out of bounds. Right. And gone. And then another one, I was I was leading the tournament, final round, playing with Bernhard and Scott Perrell at uh, Birmingham at the tradition tournament we have. And number 12 is a par four dog leg left. It has a fairway that is easily 50 yards wide. A uh, little dog leg. I decide I'm going to play it off that left bunker and try to just cut it. And I pulled it and it landed left of the, on a hard pan and went out of bounds. And I went on to make triple and ended Ooh. up losing. I had a three shot lead on that hole. Oh. Bernhard birdied the same hole. I went from three up to one down, ended up finishing third or fourth, I think third. And, um, that was pretty devastating. So, so yeah, those kind of shots. But the Brendan Todd shank on 17 during the players uh-huh. was such a great shot to see because of his reaction right. to it. The minute he hit it, he laughed yeah. and just had a great time with it. Yeah. Where most guys would just sit there. I think we talked about it last week. It was awesome to uh, Mark. I was just talking to Mark, who does the books. So, Sevy. Yep. He said he's going to put the yardage from the other island. <laughs> and call it the Brendan Todd yardage. Oh my gosh, that's going to be hysterical. That would be really funny. I, I, that's going to be hysterical. I don't know whether I could do that. I said, "Oh, with the reaction Brendan showed, you could easily do that." He would. Yeah. He would love that. That is hysterical. Just imagine when those guys open up the book and they're looking at seventeen, and what is that? Oh, Brendan Todd Todd yardage. That's not funny. That's not good. Imagine when Brendan sees <laughs> All right, last question for you. Um, us here on the East Coast, the us amateurs are starting our golf season. We can now put in our scores for handicaps. Um, what's a good drill or a uh, a practice uh, here in the early going of the season to get us amateurs, you know, quickly back on the course and at least hitting some really good shots? You know, I read when I was fourteen that Sam Snead swung a broomstick every day, and I was about 14 or 15 when I read that or heard that. And I have, from that day on, I still do it. I swing a broom every day in front of a sliding glass door or a mirror. But we had a, a small little patio in front of our sliding glass door in the backyard. And winter, spring, fall, didn't matter. Snow on the ground. I'd sweep the, I had the broom already. So I'd right. sweep the snow off. <laughs> and I'd sit there and I'd swing about, you know, 20. If you swing, more than 20 times you're exhausted. Um, it, it's a actually good workout, but it, what it was really good for was stretching out, uh, your golf muscles. You're actually doing a real functional training golf swing, mm -hmm. but you're also looking at yourself and your image and you're getting a little bit of a lesson. You can turn sideways, face it, whatever, and kind of watch yourself swing a golf club or swing the broom and you learn a little bit. So you get some positive reinforcement and I think it's great, especially when you're coming off a of winter when you're probably not moving as much. You're right. not, you haven't swung much. So um, it's a really good training aid. What I did learn in the long picture was I learned a slow golf swing. Yeah. <laughs> and I never did speed training back then. So now <laughs> it's speed training. So if you're going to do that, then also take a regular club or even a lighter than normal club and swing that at the same time. Uh, right after, not at the same time, but you right. swing the broom, swing the regular club, and then swing a lighter club. And that way you get your speed up as well. So I think it's a real easy thing to do. 
and you only need to do it for five minutes, 10 minutes at most. If you do 10 minutes, you're really tired. Yeah. Um, I still do it. I go in the backyard every day or in the morning and I still swing a weighted club or a, mm-hmm. a broom. I have a cutoff broom now, but the kind of broom I'm talking about is the half plastic and half bristles. Yes. So it's not one of those big, heavy, super heavy things. Okay. And you can cut it off if you want. I didn't cut it off. I still had it long so I could just try to lengthen out my golf swing because I always had a short golf swing. I was always a, a, a little guy that was tight and well, that was I was tight trying, to, to, trying to stretch out. Fairway, so. though. Yeah, yeah. Very, still very accurate. Um, problem is, so Fred, it's a if really I, if, easy thing to do. It, problem is, if I pick up a, a broomstick here, then my wife thinks I'm actually going to do a chore, and that's just uh, that's not my. Repertoire. Well, tell her you are, but don't go disappear and go swing it. Okay, that's fine. Good tip for those who are listening: how to get yourselves out and get ready for the golf season. Uh, I want to thank our guest Steve Sands, who is spectacular from Woodward High School in Rockville, Maryland. And now one of the major faces on NBC and the golf channel does a great job in play-by-play and the post-round interview. If he asks you a question, don't well up or at least bring some tissue. That's all. Just bring some tissue. You know what was interesting there, Chick? I thought was Steve's job and your job when you're interviewing players or athletes or you're trying to get the insight from the athlete's point of view. Mm -hmm. Today's interview was Steve's insight on what he does. And it was fascinating to me. It, it, I really actually learned a lot from listening to, to Steve on where he's coming from mm-hmm. and how he reacts to the players and the players react to him and things like that. It's, it's, I thought it was uh, a fantastic show we had today because Steve was so giving of everything that he does. Yeah. I would think it would be actually kind of a cool to play something like that for incoming PGA pros. You know, like they do with uh, NFL, NBA, they have these symposiums where they get, get these guys ready for what they're about to face, both financially and in the media. It might not be a bad idea to, to actually hear, especially for rookie golfers coming in. Some guys are hot shots, some guys are not. Um, but to know where we're coming from and that we're not trying to, you know, we're not TMZ. We're not trying to get you on something. We want to find out. We're literally trying to take you inside your head so that the amateur who's watching you for four and a half, five plus hours gets that one little nugget and gets an insight into why we should root for that person or sometimes why we shouldn't root for that person. Uh, well, right. that's all you'd have to show is really the Ernie Els little snippet. Yeah. Fred, great to talk with you. Uh, we got the Dell technologies next week in your neck of the woods. Um, we'll react to that. And uh, Gary Williams, the hall of fame coach for Maryland basketball. Now just uh, now just a sitting legend, but plays golf a lot. Certainly knows the game. We'll have discussions about uh, what's going on with the uh, Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, with a guy who's been there, done that, and a national title back in 2002. Fred, great to talk with you, man. I will see you next week. You got it, Chick. Thanks. Great show, bud. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.